So let's give them a big hand clap. Please give the person next to you, give the person next to you a high five, smile at them, tell them that they're looking fantastic. Yeah, why not? Thank you, Leon. You're always looking handsome, in charge, man of God. I love this Leon, Chameleon. <laughs> we can have a coffee later, okay? <laughs> it's getting a bit weird, isn't it? So Psalm 23.5 is what we're focusing on on this particular day. And it says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And the thought here really is speaking what, what David's illustrating here. He's talking about when there's shepherds at the end of winter that go up to the highlands and they would actually look for a location so that their sheep could graze during the season. And so he would, they would go up there and they would prepare that place. It was like tabletops. So they would prepare that place. They would remove debris. They would make sure that the water, uh, you know, water holes were dug so that there would be water supply, that it was a great place for them to graze, and also to try and remove as much as possible the predators that were located in that area. And so then the sheep would be led up, and of course the shepherd would remain and watch over the sheep as they took, you know, I suppose, took up uh, that particular place for that next season. And so it's illustrating to us how good God is for our lives, that he is the great shepherd. He is the source of our provision, the protection, and our guidance. And he has prepared a place for each and every one of us. And the thing is that we've got to understand is that it's prepared in the presence of our enemies. It's in the presence of our enemies. And so... The way that this could be described, if we looked at the Hebrew meanings that are actually being used in this scripture, I'll put up this particular quote, if it could go up there, if you've got it. God, you arrange, you set in order, ordain, and furnish with great attention to detail a feast of all sorts of provision that is piled high and stretches out a long way, right in the middle of my distress, my troubles, and my afflictions. This is what's really been described here. And so we are talking about spiritual enemies because that's the reality, but it does manifest with distresses, with trials and circumstances that can look like they're just physical. But to benefit from this, we have to have faith to sit at the table. So what I'm talking to you tonight about is faith to sit. You've got to have faith to trust him that you can sit down and be preoccupied with what's on the table and not be preoccupied with what's, what's actually trying to intimidate you. And so, and so remember, your enemies actually have a right to be here. Now I hear, I'm just going to come down for a moment because everyone's sitting down, that's tall. And finally, I can look him eye to eye. <coughs> but... Uh, I hear sometimes, and I don't mind this, it's okay. Look, you know, if you've done this, it's don't take it to heart, okay? But let me just correct a couple of little things. I've heard people pray often about casting demons, 
sorry, fell off, <laughs> into the lake of fire. And, you know, like, like we want to get rid of all our problems, you know, just get rid of all those enemies. We cast all those demons around silver water into the lake of fire. Unfortunately, it's not going to work because they do have a right to be here. They have a lease. And their time to be cast into the lake of fire has not yet come. And so we've got to understand enemies have also a right to be here at this time. So it's not about the removal of our enemies. Faith is living above our enemies. You know, I can see many people here go to the gym. Few of them, may, maybe you've just neglected attending lately, I don't know. But, um, but when you go to the gym, you actually go there for resistance. It's resistance training. It could be cardio, it could be weights. As you can see, I do a lot of resistance training with weights. That's a joke. <laughs> I do do a lot of cardio work, but as you can see, I don't do as much resistance training as my good brother here, South Sydney Socks, in the name of Jesus. Manly won last night, yesterday afternoon actually. But anyway, the thing is, you need resistance. And whilst it would be nice to get rid of all the enemies, the reality is this, we would be weak Christians without our enemies. Understand the value of resistance because it's when we overcome resistance that we truly be, develop the character that God wants us to have and we can actually do something worthwhile for the kingdom of God. Can you say amen? So don't be focused on the enemy. Don't be focused on Satan. Be focused on Jesus. I remember many years ago, this girl told me that she went to a spiritual warfare conference. Now, I teach spiritual warfare. That's why I'm smiling, because I was interested about what was happening at the spiritual warfare conference. And it sounds like for three days and three nights, if it wasn't enough to spend three days on this, it sounds like the main focus was to bind the enemy, bind Satan. The focus was on Satan. And she said, at the end of the conference, with a bit of pride, like they kicked a goal. They said at the, <laughs> at the end of the conference, Satan himself came and straddled the building. I said, isn't that awful? What a disaster. And her mouth dropped. What do you mean? I said, after three days of prayer and intercession, Satan turns up. I would prefer that Jesus turns up. Isn't that the purpose of prayer? Don't be devil-focused in your prayers. Be Jesus-focused. God has prepared a table for us in the presence of our enemies. It's a choice. Do we focus on the enemy? Do we focus on the provision? Sit down, partake of the promises. You hear what I'm saying? That's, that's the temptation that we have. You know, the way that we truly bind and loose is by the Word of God. We are the ecclesia. That means we have the voting rights. And so we can cast a spiritual vote because we have been delegated the authority. But the way that we bind and loose is by standing on a word of revelation. I believe, therefore I spoke. And so when we believe the word and we speak the word, we are now binding and loosing. We're making a vote for the kingdom of God according to God's agenda and bringing it down to earth. In Jesus' name. Is that okay? 
Can I move on now? Thank you very much. And so fear stands and faith sits. Fear will reach for physical resources, but faith will reach for spiritual resources. And so it's very easy, especially when fear comes, when intimidation comes, it's very easy to start to work harder physically. I'd encourage you. I encourage myself. I encourage all of us. The best thing we could do is work spiritually. The more spiritual work we do, the less physical work we have to do. Doesn't mean that we don't work and we're not diligent. We should cooperate, but we can achieve a lot if we are working spiritually. There could be a lot of physical action. Can you say amen? And so it's like when the guys went across the lake. Jesus went up to pray. They're scratching their head. Well, okay, we're going all across the lake, but he's going up to prayer and he tells us to go. They're rowing away. And as soon as you move in the direction that God has told you to move in, guess what happens? Resistance comes. It's all part of the journey. It's not something that we should be thinking, well, why is this happening to me? No, it's just part of the journey. Move in the direction that God tells us to move, resistance comes. Of course, they freaked out. The boat they thought was going to sink and they're struggling in their own strength to negotiate with what really was spiritual resistance. We know in another account how Jesus deals with that spiritual resistance. He, he rebuked the wind. He calmed the waters. He only ever rebuked wind or only ever rebuked something when it was a spiritual entity. So we know what was behind the resistance was spirits. And so there was two things. He rebuked and calmed. You can't calm the waters until you rebuke the source of what's troubling the waters. You can't calm your marriage problems until you rebuke the spirit that is stirring up the marriage problems. You can't calm the business issues that you have. You could be in the economy, and it could be all a bad season for you, but make sure that you're rebuking what is actually behind troubling those waters. Does that make sense? And so we've got to understand that we've got to reach for spiritual resources. The spirit governs the natural. So faith has two sides. I've mentioned this before out here. It has a side that is trust, and the other side is take. You can't get out of Egypt unless you trust God. Getting out of Egypt is getting out of the world. And so to get out of the world, to get out of something and into whatever God has prepared takes trust, letting go, sitting down. Trusting him, resting in him. And then after we trust, we can then take. You can take the promised land as long as you've trusted him to get out of Egypt. Does that make sense? So for us, first to partake on what's on the table, we need to sit down, trust. Then we can reach and receive what's on that table. Does this make sense? Am I talking too fast? Is everyone happy? Okay, good. Just smile after three at me. One, two, three. Good, thank you. This is spiritual action. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord. Trust here is bold, careless, not careless that you don't care, but careless that you're not full of care, full of hope. Trust in the Lord. Not just the letter of the scripture, but the character of the one that the scripture is about. So trust in the Lord with all your heart. Total surrender. Absolute abandonment. Now, it's uh, a, 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 yes, but they call you dish because that's because you're so handsome. What a dish he is. What a dish. 
or maybe that's just his wife, you know, beauty's in the eye of the beholder. Anyway, I'm telling you that right now is a great season for you, but you've got to abandon yourself, trust him with all your heart, understand that Jesus is the pearl of great price. And I believe that revelation becoming large and in charge of your life is going to set you on a platform that you never thought would be possible. I can see thousands of people that you're influencing by the gospel, but you've got to understand at this point, it is really abandon yourself. That doesn't mean that you have to change anything. It's just a simple change of heart. Everything belongs to you, Lord. It's all for you. And as you also discover the value of what you've received, it's going to set you up in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Lean not on the way that we perceive life to be. Because it has helped us to get to this point. But it's inadequate for our future. And the temptation for all of us, look, believe it or not, I'm 55. That's when you go, no way. You missed your opportunity. Let me say it again. Believe it or not, I'm 55. Okay, that was really contrived. But anyway, we'll move on. The older you get, the easier it is to stop going to that place of risk where faith lives. It's too easy to rely on the same old, same old. You hear what I'm saying? It's okay to have understanding. It's helped us thus far. But don't rely on it for your future. That's all it's saying here. Do not lean on your understanding because it will limit what God can actually do for us. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, which essentially is saying acquire new knowledge. There are new revelations. There may be the same revelation, but there's more depth to the revelation that God's given you. There's more dimensions that you can actually discover when you don't lean on your understanding and you continue to seek him. Lean not on your understanding, acknowledge him in all your ways, and he shall direct your paths, which is really a word called yesha, and it means right, pleasant, and prosperous. We've got to trust him. Trust goes in three directions. It needs to go into our past. We've got to believe that the sin that we have committed is completely dealt with, 100%, because if we can't trust God with that, we can't trust him with our future. So it needs first to go in our past. He has fixed the past. Everything has been wiped clean, 100%. Whether we've had a good day or bad day or an indifferent day, it doesn't matter as long as we keep turning up, as long as we approach that throne of grace boldly, knowing that God has already taken care of all those sins in our life. Trust him in the past. Then you can trust him with your future, that you are the redeemed. You are going to be glorified. You have a place, not only at the table, but a place in heaven. But the biggest challenge is the third one, and that's to trust God in the present, in the day-to-day. Martha could trust God in the past. She could trust God in the future about Lazarus, but could not trust him in the present. We need to trust him in our present. And everyone said... Four reasons to sit at the table. Number one, first of all, we sit to reign. We sit to reign. That means to rule. 
We have authority. Have you seen a king standing up and ruling? Now he sits on his throne. The ruler sits. Let me just read a couple of scriptures so you can see that I'm not speaking heresy here. Ephesians 1.20, he raised him up, speaking of Jesus from the dead, and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above, not slightly above, far above all principality and power, might and dominion. Jesus has been raised way above. We are not equally pitted against the enemy. He is way beneath us. In Christ, out of Christ, that's not the case. But in Christ, it's absolutely the case. Verse 22, and he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church. Is anyone here in the church, <coughs> in the body of Christ? You've gone all very quiet out there. Is this okay? Are you with me? Okay, good. I'm listening intently. Does this guy really know what he's talking about? <laughs> Sounds like he does. Confident and bold, a bit brash. Read your Bible, you should find out it's true. Okay. He put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. In chapter 2, verse 6, he raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Where are we seated? In the heavenly places, in Christ Jesus. So that's the posture. Make sure that you sit to reign. The reason we sit, we first of all, we sit to reign. We are in authority. We have been de delegated that authority. We are seated in heavenly places. When we pray, pray from that position. It's a whole different ball game if you pray from that position. We're not praying from earth to heaven, God, have mercy on me. Can you do something? Can't you see all the problems I have? I'd help you if you had those sort of problems, God. Not those sort of prayers. But a prayer that understands what God, what Christ has done for us, where we're positioned in the heavenly realms, and we pray from that position in the name of Jesus. So the believer's authority, and those who have done my class have heard all this, the believer's authority is Adam's authority reinstated to us by Christ through his death and resurrection. And so we know... As a result of the cross, Satan was completely stripped of his authority. He has ability. He has power to influence, but he has no authority. And so what he does, according to 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, he works to blind believers. He wants to blind them. People, believers are perishing for a lack of knowledge. That's right. So we're perishing because we don't see what Jesus has already done for us. And it's our responsibility to discover what he's already purchased for us so that we're not blinded by him, but we can stand in that place of authority. How can we receive it? Romans 5, 17, for if by the trespass of the one man, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? How do you receive it? Abundance of grace, gift of righteousness. Abundance of grace, gift. Number two, we sit to rest. Seat represents rest. In Hebrews 4, it tells us to endeavor 
to enter into his rest. And so we know that the rest represents in the Old Testament, it represents the Sabbath. Is that okay? Everyone agrees with me? You would agree with that, wouldn't you, Hartley? Thank you very much. God bless you. Just felt like doing that. I think it was the Holy Ghost in prompting me. <coughs> but what we discover in the New Testament is that Jesus was doing work on the rest, on the Sabbath. He went about healing dudes, didn't he? You know, guys with withered hands and all, on the Sabbath, violating the Christian, the religious order. And so he's demonstrating something to us, that uh, when we enter his rest, then the word being Jesus can go to work. He worked on the Sabbath, which represents rest. So for you, what that means for you and me, when we're in faith, we enter rest when it's on the word, and the word can work for us, Jesus Christ. You see that tonight. And so it's important that we understand that when we sit, we are actually sitting in a rest. Look, you know, even a promised land was called a place where they were entering their rest. So when they went into the promised land, God's people, they were entering into their rest. Did they rest in the promised land? I don't think so. There was a whole lot of fighting going on, wasn't there? So when we're entering rest, it doesn't mean that we're idle. What it means is that there is an assurance, there is a calm on the inside, despite the fights and the warfare that we have to deal with on a day-to-day basis, but we'll overcome because of the rest in our spirit. Now, I don't know if you're a manly supporter out here. Is there, are there any manly supporters here? We've got two, two people that see the light. Okay, anyway, let's think about your own team. But yesterday afternoon... They were playing the Warriors. Who do you support again? Oh, come on. You didn't put up your hand, though. I thought I lost you to the West. <laughs> so, well, who do you go for when Australia plays New Zealand, eh? <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Point made. The thing, the, thing is, the thing is, I didn't watch the game. I don't know if you've noticed. You most probably have. But Manly haven't been doing too well. So I didn't want to watch another bloodbath. I don't want to see all those big Maori guys slaughtering the manly sea eagles. So I didn't watch it. But then I heard I was actually painting outside on my deck. And um, then I could hear my neighbour. He was listening to the radio. He obviously is not spending money on Foxtel. He could have watched it on Foxtel. But anyway, God bless him. But he was listening to the radio and he kept screaming out the score to his wife. And then I'm hearing, you know, like it was 16-6, and then it was 22-6, and then it was 28-6, and then it was 28-12, then it was, I know, I think it finished up at uh, 32-12. And uh, I thought, wow! And I thought, I'm going to watch that replay. I'm going to watch it. And you know what? You know what? When I watched a replay, it wasn't like watching a live game. I was just chilled. I knew the outcome. I love it. Rest. Rest. But this is the way that it is. God knows the outcome. God has seen it all played out. We're in the game. And the only thing that can put us on the sideline is when fear overtakes us. But if we can just connect with what God has already seen, what God has already ordained, we will be in a rest. We have to still go through it. We have to navigate through life. There's no doubt about it. But we're going to win. In Jesus' name, come on, give the Lord a hand clap. Get excited tonight. We sit to rest. 
and we can rest. God is into, you know, there's someone here. I don't know who it is actually. Actually, I'll come back to that in a moment. I'll come back to point three because I don't want to run out of time here. We sit to receive. We sit to receive. Everything from God is a gift. Everything. It's a gift of salvation. It's a gift of the Spirit. Everything that we receive is a gift. And the thing with a gift is that they're received. They can't be earned. And so when we're sitting at the table, we're actually there to receive what is freely given to us. Has anyone got a $50 note? Just quickly, just really quickly. Someone's got a $50 note? Just, you got a 50, mate, what's going on? Obviously, great, great offering message. That's what's going on, a great offering message. Well done! <laughs> anyway, quickly, anyone got a $50 note? Trust the Lord. Hey, where's the trust? Hey, come on. Is there another $50 note over there? I'm not allowed to get an honorarium, so this is a way. <laughs> no, no, it's okay. Just, that's enough. Look, look, I know that you've seen this before, but I just want to help you understand. No, Dave, just, you'll get it back. In another life. <laughs> I just want you to help. You know, the problem is, let me get back to those in a second. It's a bit like this. I was at Palm Beach yesterday morning. Why? Because it's near my house. Yeah, it's not far. I'm going to live at Avalon. I went up to Palmy to pray to get inspiration for silver water. May there be a great flood and the beach lands just out. Anyway, no, just kidding. Um, but I was up at Palm Beach and I'm looking around at the houses and I thought, man, these are flipping awesome houses, you know. These are the sort of houses that God has prepared for each and every one of us, maybe in another life. But I was a, just imagine if an aunt, you know, passed on, she owned a beautiful house at Palmy and gave it to Jake Betlam. I received the house. Awesome. And I put it on the market for $750,000. Possibly worth three, four million dollars, but I've put it on the market for $750,000. I mean, the day that open house comes, there will be a queue from Palm Beach to Manly to buy that house. You hear what I'm saying? I'm going to sell the house, but I'm going to sell it way short of the market value. And I get, I get upset that too many Christians are selling themselves short on the market value that has been placed on your life. Jesus Christ is the market value. And it doesn't matter who you are, what's happened, you have got the same market value as the next person. And the thing is, it's a bit like this old illustration that I've shown before, but if you imagine the value of this note, nice and clean, $50, this note, crunched up, been in dirty places, bit of, you know, silver water dust, everything... You could imagine this. If I was asking Leon, would you like these notes? If I offered him this one, he'd say, yeah. But if I offered him this one, what would you say? Absolutely. He would say yes. Why? Because even though it's been trodden on, it's gone to some smelly places, it's had a bad life, it's still worth the same value. And often, too often, we see the neighbour like this. We see the other person that is blessed like this. Yes, we know God blesses. We know God's a good God. We can see a person, good opportunities, good education, made good choices, but we see our life like this. We haven't made the same choices. And all of a sudden, we start erecting disclaimers in our thinking about our value. 
but as God sees us, we are exactly the same value no matter what's happened in your life. We've got to remove the disclaimers, the clauses, everything that has been erected in our thinking that is disqualifying us from what God has prepared on our table. We can sit and receive. Can you say amen? I'll give you the clean one. You can have the clean one. You never know. This could go to a new homeowner, okay? I mean, it could find a new owner. You know what I'm saying. It's been a long, been a long day. <laughs> been a big life. We sit to receive. 2 Corinthians 1.20, all the promises of God are yes and amen. Number four, we sit to revive. We sit to revive. Every day, every week, we need to revive. The church is a table of God. The church is prepared every week so that you can come and sit and partake of what's been prepared. It is a table of God for your life. And it's really important that we actually turn up and make sure that we're sitting at that table, that we're not given to casual attendance because it's exactly what the enemy wants. You know, it's the it's sheep that actually stray from the herd that get pegged off. You hear what I'm saying? The way that we stay connected is by turning up to a connect group. It's turning up to church. It's a priority. It's just making it a priority. And so when you make that a priority, you end up sitting at the table that God has prepared through his servants so that you can enter into a worship experience that you may not actually be able to enter into on your own. You can enter into hearing a word that can stir you and remind you about your value and about the call of God on your life. You know, these big picture things. Otherwise, we can get lost in the busyness of life and we, get, we can get seduced into thinking that we're okay. So easy. Don't do that. Turn up to the table that God has prepared for us. But bigger than that, more than that, when we turn up, we're actually casting a spiritual vote. We're casting a spiritual vote for this area, for this community, for this city. And the more we turn up, the more regular we are at turning up, the greater that spiritual vote becomes. You hear what I'm saying? There's a bigger picture at hand. It builds spiritual momentum. That's why the enemy is so against it. And it's a plague in Australia right now that the, that the church has, the, the body of Christ has got into this casual attendance. You hear what I'm saying? I'm encouraging you. It's not about, you know, how it benefits the church. It's how it, how it benefits you, which is the church. So come to that table that God has prepared for us. Sit and partake in Jesus' name. And everyone said? Yeah, give the Lord a hand clap. That's a great idea. Let me just pray for a couple of different situations. Just maybe bow your head. And close your eyes. It says that as many as received him were given the right to become sons and daughters of God. And those that are born of God overcome the world.
I don't know where everyone is at here tonight, but I would love the honor to pray with some of you. I believe that there's mostly some people here that you know in your heart you're away from God. You may be turning up irregularly or regular. Maybe you haven't turned up to church for a while, but I know this, that you've just been living life on your own terms, but tonight is an opportunity for you to come back and recommit your life into his hands. Start afresh. So whether you have been in church often or not, it's for everyone that this applies to. I'm just going to count to three. I'm going to ask you to put up your hand and say, Pastor Jake, please pray for me. I like to receive prayer. I like to make that commitment to put my life back into his hands here tonight. Don't leave without doing this if you know in your heart that this applies to you. So just after three, without looking at your neighbor, without any hesitation, just put up your hand and give me that privilege to pray with you in Jesus' name. One, two, three. Just lift up your hand straight away. Fantastic. Who else is there? I know that there's a couple more people. Right now, your heart is being stirred. You're just asking yourself the question, is this me, is this not me? It is you. Put up your hand right away. Let me pray with you and help you get back connected. The only one that can make a difference in Jesus' name. Just lift up your hand. I'm waiting because I know that there's someone else that this applies to. Just lift up your hand one more time. I'm going to welcome my brother that's put up his hand to come forward in just a moment. If you'd like to join him, please come and join him. I just feel that there's one or two other people. You really need to respond to this. It's going to help you. All I want to do is the opportunity to pray with you and help you get set in that relationship with God Almighty, knowing that Jesus is in your heart and you've got a fresh start this day. If you also, if you're troubling, if you're troubled with anxiety, you know, there's just total lack of peace in your life, come forward. Because I know this, the Prince of Peace will come into your heart and it will calm everything in your, in your life. So why don't we uh, just stand up and if we could ask my friend to come forward and let me pray with you. Just come and meet me out the front. And anyone else that would like to come in response to that invitation? there's anyone else just come forward very quickly and let me pray thank you Jesus just say those words after me let's say this all together thanks buddy come on a big hand clap for my brother <coughs> fantastic are you guys a family awesome which country do you come from I was just in the Philippines just in the Philippines we had a conference there, 630 delegates, more than double than last year. See what you started? It's just not going to stop. So I love the Philippines. I've uh, been there for, well, not, I go back and forth. I actually live here. But uh, we have now 26 churches there. It's fantastic, isn't it? So you come from Manila? Fantastic. Your members here? First time today. What a great day to be here. And there's 
So there's four on the altar here. There's one inside. Anyway, let's move on. Let's say this. Let's say this prayer. Say it from your heart. This is your prayer. I'm just going to give you the words, okay? So say this from your heart. Dear Father in heaven, everyone say together out loud, Dear Father in heaven, I stand before you this night. I ask that you forgive me for going my way, not your way. Today I choose to commit my life into the hands of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that you died for me. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. I receive you. I commit myself to follow you. I pray that you fill me with the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Father, I thank you that peace is going to come into this family, into this household. I thank you, Lord God, the adversity, the challenges that they've experienced, Lord God. The storm is going to settle. There's going to come a calm day again. And out of this, there'll be a greater understanding about how God is intimately involved in every detail of your life. In the name of Jesus, he's going to bless you. Trust him. Trust him. Don't lean on your understanding, my friend. Don't lean just with your head. Don't look through the microscope. Let God take care of the details. You keep your eyes on heaven. You can trust him, my friend. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. It's going to work out really beautifully. Come here. Get connected. You need, you need the input at this time. You need the support. And it's going to work out really, really well. Don't worry. The, the mouths that God gives you, he's going to feed. The mouth that God has given you, he will look after. He will put clothing on them and he will feed them in Jesus' name. There is always a way in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, I thank you, Father, for this beautiful couple. I thank you, Lord God, that they're here tonight, reaching out to you. I thank you, Lord God, for... My brother here, for his humility and his courage to put up his hand and to come forward. Thank you, Lord God, for your daughter here, Lord God, in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you, Father, for Shane that uh, took a rest. He's going back to the beginning of Psalm 23. He makes me lie down in green pastures. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Father, for Shane. Bless him, Lord God. Strengthen him, Lord God. Renew his mind in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Amen and amen and amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap here tonight. Fantastic. Please uh, just uh, go with uh, these beautiful people behind you. And uh, don't worry. I know they're tall, but they're, they're nice. It's okay.